You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Hello and welcome to another edition of Special Reports on Legal Talk Network. This is Lawrence Coletti and I'm the host for today's show, which is being recorded from our home studio in Denver, Colorado. Joining me remote from Appleton, Wisconsin, which I'm pretty sure is near Green Bay, Wisconsin, is Mr. Robert Sisson, and he's going to talk to us about wearable technologies. Welcome, sir. Uh, Good afternoon, Lawrence. Robert, now, we're catching up with you after this year's ABA Tech Show in Chicago, Illinois, where you and Mr. Rick Georges gave a presentation called Fashion Do's and Don'ts. How will wearable tech work in your law practice? But before we get started, would you tell us a little bit about yourself? Where do you work? What do you do? I am a uh, criminal defense attorney primarily, a sole practitioner in a small town about 20 miles west of Green Bay called Appleton, Wisconsin, originally from Buffalo, New York, where the chicken wings were started, and uh, went to law school and uh, got my Ph.D. at the State University of New York at Buffalo and am a technology junkie and love wearable technology. Well, that's perfect for today. Uh, We're talking about wearable technology. So let's get started. So I think it's fair to say that listeners today are going to be fairly familiar with the iWatch. They they may not know what it does yet, but they, they know about it. So could you give us your definition of what wearable technology is? Well, I think we all have been using wearable technology for quite some time. If we really think about it, um, the most used piece of technology I think any of us have and have had for quite some time is our smartphone. And I think that wearable technology is best defined as anything, any piece of technology that is portable that we take with us and is on us at all times. Okay, so besides smartwatches and smartphones, what what are the examples of uh, wearable technologies have you seen? Well, I think we do have things that we've had around for quite some time now that we use in our law office here. Uh, Bluetooth headsets, for one. Okay. Uh, there's there's fitness bands. There's an emerging area of uh, virtual reality headsets, which is really pretty exciting. Uh, Google Cardboard is one of the cheaper intro ways to do it. Samsung and Sony have an, an Oculus Rift, have their emerging headsets, and uh, it, it, it's going to be something that I think in the very near future, several years off, perhaps up to five, uh, you'll probably be appearing, or I'll be appearing, I should say, in a courtroom virtually. Oh, that's pretty exciting. So smartphones and smartwatches, there's a lot of correlation between them, but uh, you've written several articles about smartwatches. And in particular, uh, I was very fond of one you wrote called, Do You Have a Smartphone Addiction? And in it, uh, you talked about how smartwatches are actually going to help us use our smartphones less. Can you explain that concept to us? Sure. Uh, Basically, if we really think about it, the last time you went to the dentist and were waiting around, the last time you went out for a meal with your wife or girlfriend and were waiting to be seated, the last time that you went to a show and, and couldn't get in, the movie hadn't started yet, look around you, 90% of the people are on what? Their smartphones. And they're either playing games, they're look checking email, they're talking to people, uh, texting uh, on Facebook, on Twitter, whatever it may be. And sadly, I think the technology, the downside, it has taken and drawn us away from personal contact. 
so that we're we're not communicating. I, I'll honestly tell you that 90% of my criminal clients don't call me, don't email me, they SMS text me. And that's great, but uh, what's happening is that we're taking the people, the connection that we should have away from our personal being. And when I wrote the article on Are You Addicted to Your Smartphone?, I think we all could probably say that we are, and really, I believe what a, a smart watch is going to do and will do best for us is to uh, give us something that can put us back in the game, interacting with our family, interacting with our business associates, uh, because we, instead of pulling out our smartphone, and I, I read a recent article, I think it was on David Pogue's, one of his reviews, that he quoted and said that the average person checks their smartphone 120 times per day. Wow. Which is quite a bit. And uh, whether it be to check notifications or whatever. And what a smartwatch will do is it will let us keep our smartphone on our waist, in our pocket, in our purse, wherever that may be, and allow us to be notified of the important calls coming in the important uh, texts or emails that you have to respond to immediately because 90% of them you don't have to. You can do a later time, and it isn't quite as intrusive as having to whip out the smartphone, big or small, and check it. Uh, You have a little notification on your wrist. You can very seamlessly glance at it and respond or not respond. I think it'll put us back to the connection with our loved ones. You know, I think that makes a lot of sense. You know, one of my um, favorite uses for my mobile phone uh, in conjunction with my computer is that, you know, for long stretches of time, I'll have to do a research project for some of the shows that we put on. But I only want to be aware of the really important emails or the things I need to instantly respond to. And I, I set up the alerts. All I do is glance over, see either who's doing or who's sending the message or a little blurb on what it's about. And it gives me all the information I need to know. I don't have to open up my email browser and check it out. I can just keep working. And so now it definitely makes a lot of sense to me. If you can reduce the amount of times you pull that out, I think it makes you a little bit more aware of the real world around you. So let's transition into time, money, client experience. I want to get into the brass tacks of law practice. So can you, can you share with us the different ways that wearable technologies have helped enhance your practice, provide, whether it's saving time, saving money, or providing a better client experience. Can, can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, uh, one of the older technologies that I'm actually using as we interview from uh, long distance is a wireless headset. And um, I find that very helpful because I can, I, I'm better walking and talking, uh, as I do often in the courtroom, than I am sitting in one place. And the nice part about Bluetooth headsets is you're able to do that, whether it be you're jogging and listening to music, whether you're um, you know, in the uh, vestibule of the courthouse and you're talking to a client and you have your uh, Bluetooth earpiece in your ear because you don't want to hold your phone to your ear. But uh, basically... The Bluetooth uh, is, is a great technology that we use here in my office. Wireless printing has saved me a lot. Uh, uh, a lot of what I used to have to open up my desktop computer for, as we talked about, and go into Outlook or whatever mail client you use, 
and then take and uh, get your email and print it off. I do it right from my mobile phone via a Bluetooth-enabled uh, printer. And I think for me, the biggest thing in a smaller practice as I have, and one thing that I tout with all my clients when they hire me, is that I'm available to them almost 24-7. And the way that I am able to do that is they can always call me, they can always email me, but what, as I think I mentioned a few minutes ago, 90% of my contact with my clients is by SMS text. They're used to it. They do it all the time. And in so many cases where they would have to take my paralegal's time to give her a call and say, okay, well, you know, they, maybe it's a drunk driving case and they're doing an alcohol assessment and they want to let me know that they just did the assessment and what, what the recommendations were even before we got the report. Uh, they would call my paralegal and she'd take five or ten minutes with them and, and um, you know, we're, we're paying our paralegals a, a fairly decent wage. They now just text me via SMS text. I get it on my smartphone. I can either copy it into Evernote or whatever particular program you use uh, in your case management. And uh, it really saves a lot of valuable time, my time as well as my paralegal's time, and I have three of them, to, uh, so they can do what they do best and help me win cases and we can still keep a real open line with our clients, saving time, saving money, and being really productive. And what our clients feel is most important is that we really care. They can get a hold of us. They don't, you know, get an answer machine. They don't, we'll call you back, and then they get a call back two days later. We're almost instantaneous, and it's worked very well. Oh, that sounds great. So I'm hearing reduction in labor hours there, uh, helping people get into what they do best, their specialty, uh, greater access around the clock to your services, the elimination of a phone call that turns into text, you know, probably via t- uh, a typing device. Instead of that, you're just copy, cut, pasting, yeah, you know, a text message into uh, Evernote. So that's great, uh, really efficient. And, you know, it's wonderful about small practices. They can be nimble like that. And uh, so no, I think that's great how you've tapped into that. So I'd and, like- and I will add to that. What actually works well, too, is that a lot of what I do um, as a small practitioner is mobily. I like to take, and um, many days I'm in court all day long, and I'm electronically communicating with my staff, with my clients, and the technology helps me not physically have to be sitting in front of a desk. I can really practice anywhere. Oh, that's great. No, it definitely opens up some options there. It gets you away from your desk and, and out amongst everybody. So no, that's great. So let's let's talk about security. So, you know, attorneys are in court, attorneys commute, attorneys, they, they talk in public. And so when it comes to wearable technologies and client confidentialities, what, what issues have you been seeing? Well, um, with wearable smartwatches, for example, I've been asked uh, before, well, is there a concern with security uh, in the information? And uh, I've read many articles myself, and it seems that the only real confidentiality problem would be if your particular smartphone, which I would certainly hope we all have software virus protection on, is, is, is available through various companies, Norton, ABG, whatever you might choose, 
The only time there's really a problem it would be when, if somebody had hacked into your phone, when you were to uh, link it up um, via Bluetooth, just that one initial pairing time, and that's such a short window. And, and I don't really think the technology, the, I should say the hackers, are, are so concerned yet with, you know, taking that little window and exposing it. I do see a problem, though, uh, with wearable technology in uh, several of the emerging smartphones that have uh, a wireless chip in them, like the Samsung Gear S, which is a bigger smartwatch that, in fact, does have uh, the capabilities of a phone, so you can talk to your wrist like a Dick Tracy, and the new uh, LG Watch Urbane Lite is also doing the same thing. And the two things that I find troublesome in that is that some of the early smartwatches allowed you, and, and still do, allow you to take a call when it's linked to your smartphone and, and still talk to your wrist. I find that a real problem with client confidentiality, unless per chance you happen to be in your car where nobody else would hear it. Uh, I wouldn't want to be talking to my wrist and having everybody in the courtroom hallway, in the courtroom, wherever I am uh, in public, listening to that conversation. Uh, and I think that's, that, that's very intrusive. I, I, I'm really against that part of the technology. Many people that don't have, maybe have an older car, that don't have Bluetooth, say, like my co-speaker um, that I spoke with at, at, uh, on the faculty at Tech Show on Wearable, he had an older vehicle, and he says, well, it's great for me. And I said, well, you know, that's great. But for the most part, I don't think that part of the technology is good, and I see a, a problem with security there. Other than that, I don't really think that with regard to um, smartphones or smart watches uh, and wearable technology in general, at this point, I don't think there's a real big security issue. Most of our data is in the cloud and we certainly have to trust that the majority of the programs we use are fairly secure. Okay. Well, let's move into discovery. Now, I think this is a perfect question for you because you're a trial attorney. And, you know, mm -hmm. social media, texting, they, they've had a profound impact on discovery process. And you know, because they open up new lines of communication, you know, new relevant communications that are, are pertinent to a decision in a trial in a case. And so, you know, Wearable technologies, it's a game changer, especially as they develop. What is your prediction for the impact it will have on the discovery process? Well, I think it, it uh, depends how you word discovery. Um, I look at discovery differently than a civil attorney does naturally, but we're still looking for information that will help us win a case or be helpful when we're in trial. The issues of being in trial, uh, I think um, it's awful helpful with regards to being able to access the law books, the law cases that we may need uh, that we weren't aware of as things evolved during that particular uh, trial, uh, to instantly access the Internet via a connection. Getting back to security, I, I'm a little, always a little worried about the attorney that logs on to the courtroom's own Wi-Fi because we never really know how secure that is. And I always encourage people that I deal with, other lawyers, to 
get their own wireless connection through whatever carrier they have so that at least they know that their connection that works in that particular courtroom is secure. You know, that's one I hadn't even thought of, you know, Wi-Fi provided by the court itself as being uh, not secure or not a good idea. So that's, that's a really interesting insight. So, Robert, you're, you're obviously an advocate of using smartwatches to, to, help, uh, to help with your practice. And so, uh, you know, maybe you can help some of our listeners out here. What, what manufacturers are your favorite? And what are some of the questions consumers should, should be asking before they buy their device? Well, let's, let's start out with questions. I think that the question is, um, A, do I even need it? Is it going to be helpful? And there's been a number of articles written. I just read a very interesting piece about a gentleman uh, that had said that after a month, he was sending his Apple Watch back. And uh, let me get to the site here on that. That was just recently written on the Business Insider. And, and uh, part of the problem is is that I think we expect too much from the smartwatch. Samsung started the technology maybe a year and a half ago. Sony and some of the other players took on. It was all on the Android platform. Uh, Apple was later coming to the game just recently with, with the iWatch. And the problem that Apple ran into uh, and is still running into and just that their WWDC the last couple of days They've announced that, that they're going to now make their, what they call the SDK available, uh, software developers a package available to their software developers that are writing pro- product. What happened with the, with the uh, iWatch is, or the Apple Watch, I guess they want to call it, is that uh, nicely done, a beautiful looking watch for the most part, but when their developers were developing the applications for it, they didn't even have the product. They couldn't test it out. They were just given some basic rules. And, and from, what I've, uh, from what I've seen and what I've read and what I've uh, seen from other attorneys that have them, they're very slow in communicating with the smartphone, which is the hub. So when we look at what we expect from a smart watch, is it going to help us? Uh, is it going to track our fitness if that's important to us? Is it going to give us our notifications? Uh, is it going to be stylish? Is it something I'm going to want to wear? Is it going to hold up under the use that I'm going to give it? For example, you know, am I getting it for the courtroom as well as working out? Does it have interchangeable bands? So we kind of have to really decide what we're going to use it for and what we expect to get out of it. And then once we frame those issues, we can decide which of the products uh, are best suited for us. Okay. Well, I just have one more question for you, Robert. And uh, because you're kind of a futurist with these wearable technologies, uh, where do you think the wearable technology industry will be in five years? And do you dream of a certain product that doesn't exist today but ought to be created? Well, wearable technology, uh, I believe, is going to be more fashion conscious, it's going to be more seamlessly uh, integrated in all that we do, sort of like uh, the uh, Google Now system where it predicts what you want and serves it up to you, uh, which is available on the Android Wear platform for Android smartwatches. Apple just said they're, they're doing kind of a similar thing, and I think as that gets smarter, that's really going to be helpful because 
uh, your connected device, your watch, is going to be able to serve up to you what you need to know pretty much before uh, you actually look at it because of the time of day, the business context, whatever you're doing, it's going to know where you are, what you're doing, and what you're more than likely going to do. And, and I find it awfully helpful to be able to talk to my watch and, and set a contact to write an email by just talking into it. And, and I will say that the Android Wear system uh, it has, has wonderful speech recognition. Apple's coming a long way on theirs, too. And I think that's going to be really kind of fun. I do see the virtual reality technology really becoming part of the courtroom. Now, let's, let's kind of think about this for a minute. Let's say that there's a homicide and you, the district attorney or even you, you, you wanted to be able to show the scene and, and instead of having pictures on a large monitor, uh, you could have virtual reality headsets for all the jurors and they could virtually be there and look around the area, be able to see a 360-degree view of what happened, and really be able to assess the credibility of what's being told to them by both the prosecution as well as the uh, defense. Uh, I think also that pertains to in the civil end of it, where a lot of times you have personal injury lawsuits and there's an auto crash or there's some sort of an accident, to be able to put the jury there virtually and, and, and I don't want to say experience it, but at least experience the surroundings, I think, is going to give the legal practice uh, a really interesting new use of technology and something that will really help to practice the law. I really would also hope uh, that we as lawyers... For example, I appeared downstate in Wisconsin uh, the other day for a case where a client wanted me to, to represent him. Two and a half hour drive one way. If I could have virtually appeared there in court, that would have certainly been much easier and much more cost effective for both me and the client, too. So I think that's uh, uh, where uh, I think it's going to be going in a few years. I would also hope that, uh, going back to the smartwatches, that all of these companies come out with something that women, women lawyers, women business people, uh, women in general, really want to wear. Because other than a smaller version of a larger men's watch, which is kind of what we're, what the ladies are now uh, stuck with, but not real fashionable, not really something that unless you're a little bit geeky, that you want to wear. And I'm hoping that they come up with something over the next year or so that really will be appealing, stylish, but productive to a woman. And that's an area that I think is so important to this technology. I really think that they've really disjointed as far as the, the female portion of our population goes, and they certainly have a right to use the technology, to have it helpful to them. And but really, yeah, something that they want to wear and use. That's great. It's a good uh, good way to end it there, uh, Robert. A little talk about fashion and also a little bit of talk about access to justice and, and how wearable technologies can help with that. Well, so, well, it looks like we've reached the end of our program for today, but I wish to thank Mr. Robert Sisson for joining us today. And I thank you for inviting me. And if our listeners have questions or wish to follow up with you, how can they reach you? Uh, they can follow me on Twitter at uh, RJ Sisson. That's R-J-S-I-S-S-O-N. 
they can also follow me on Tumblr, Robert J. Sisson. They can follow me on LinkedIn at Robert J. Sisson. And uh, email me at robert at sissonlaw.com if they have any specific questions that I can be of help. All right, great. Well, thank you. This has been another edition of Special Reports. I'm Lawrence Coletti. Until next time, thank you for listening. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thank you.